Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you? Welcome to Stuff Mom Never Told You from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Kristen. And I'm Molly. Molly, a few weeks ago, I received some very disturbing news. Oh, no. Do you like Oprah? Do you have a half-sister? I don't have a half-sister that I know of. Okay, so that one can still come. So that, yeah, so that's um, that remains to be seen. But I went on Gawker towards the end of the day. I was finishing up my work day and just kind of needed a little mind break. Mm-hmm. Went on Gawker, and I found out that I was no longer a Sagittarius. Oh, my goodness. In fact, I found out that I was not only no longer a Sagittarius, but I was a sign that I'd never heard of and can barely pronounce. I believe it's called an effusious. What am, what am I supposed to, you know, how what am, how am I supposed to deal with that? You've been living a lie. I have, you know, see, since I, you know, my life is dictated by my Cosmo horoscopes, you know, and and there's no, there's no box in there for an effusious. What are you supposed to do? How am I supposed to meet the the right man at a at a bar if I don't know how my sign will match up? To Could this? you even finish your assignment that day not knowing what your future held? You know what? I put my pencil down and I just I just went home and I just got into bed. You know? No, I oh, actually that's didn't. That's so effusive. I didn't. I, I wrote something on Facebook and then and people got you know got got really excited about it. But people say that when they find out your sign, they're like, oh, that's so, that's so Aries of you. Mm-hmm. So Sagittarius of you. Right. Um, and that was, you know, people sometimes ascribe these traits to themselves because of their star sign, even though they claim not to believe it because the Facebook outcry and the Twitter outcry was usually people saying, I may not believe in astrology, but I sure don't want my sign changed. I just remember a lot of people being outraged that they had gotten bumped to being an, a Sagittarius. I was feeling a lot of anti, anti-Sag sentiment and it was really making me very resentful. Well, despite week. the fact that everyone fell apart at the seams, there was really nothing to worry about. This all got started because, uh, this guy gave an interview about how the fact that the stars have all changed since ancient times and You know, the signs are not related to where they actually should be based on the planets now. But the fact of the matter is, for us, Kristen, uh, we tend to read horoscopes based on Western astrology. Mm -hmm. And there are all these different zodiacs. And our zodiacs did not change. There's a tropical zodiac fixed to the season. And that's the one Western astrology follows. Whereas there's another zodiac, which is more fixed to the actual movement of the constellations and can handle it when the stars move positions. And, uh, we tend, we, we use the seasonal one. So we've always had two zodiacs. This article will probably come up. This idea will come up again in five years. It came up five years ago. I found an old article about it. It's your sign will never change. Thank goodness. And that's good because Kristen, you and I are quite matched, quite the perfect pair. We are Sagittarius to your Aries. We are it works well. meant to be, and mm-hmm. that must be why the podcast is so long running. I mean, I always knew that I was supposed to be seeking out Sagittarius's for, for my romantic relationships. But I looked up our friendship horoscope, Kristen, and we are just dynamite. We're on fire. The two of us are forever searching for adventure. Ooh. And But we are accident prone. Well, I am pretty clumsy. We are You've kind of clumsy, yeah. Um, sometimes I can be too overbearing for your freedom-loving ways. That's true. Uh, but <laughs> you, like you tie me down. <laughs> but I, I need you to remember, Kristen, that I am more sensitive than you, and sometimes you have to be careful before you speak and say something too blunt. 
Those are, I apologize in advance. Those are our challenges. But after reading this horoscope from an anonymous astrology site, I just feel like the world is our oyster. And with our powers combined, we can, we, we can do anything. Now, I think it's time for us to let people know why we're talking about astrology, because we tend to stick to pretty, pretty logical, factual Topics. We love things that are proved by science. How yes. often have we talked about studies on this podcast? And astrology is, is so, it seems so frivolous in many ways. You know, it's like going to a psychic or a fortune teller, you know, take it with a grain of salt. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's nothing, exactly, it's nothing that can be proven by scientific methodologies. But why not talk about astrology? We figured because a people freaked out about the p- possibility that their sign had changed, and b according to a Gallup poll, a good amount of people believe at least a little bit in the principles of astrology. According to a Gallup poll, twenty eight percent of American women and twenty three percent of men believe that astrology or the position of the stars and planets can affect people's lives. And, you know, women tend to believe more than men. And while that gap is pretty small in the U.S., 28 percent to 23 percent, the uh, difference becomes more pronounced when you consider Canada and Great Britain. In Canada, 33 percent of women believe that astrology can have an effect on your life versus 17 percent of men. 30 percent of women in Great Britain believe that and 14 percent of men. So it's always something that's been associated more with women and you like Chris and you already mentioned Cosmo. You only have to open up a Cosmo to see horoscopes, your guys' horoscopes, mm-hmm. your love horoscope. And uh, since we talk about love so often, we've got to consider the fact that love can be written in the stars. Yeah. And you know, some signs are better matched than others. And and is is there anything to this? And if you're going to turn to good old scientific studies, people are going to tell you no. And this goes back to 1971 when a fellow named Bernie Silverman at Michigan State University took uh, all these charts of happily married couples and all these charts of couples who had split, mixed them all up, sent them out to astrologers and said, tell me which ones are matched Mm -hmm. astrologically, have those compatible signs, and tell me which ones uh, are not. And let's see if the divorce ones are the ones who are just not matched astrologically. And there was no connection. Science is not going to ever help us uh, figure out who we're meant to marry, but we still can't help checking that daily horoscope. Well, maybe, you know, we talked about in the, with a Gallup poll, it's about a third of women tend to believe at least a little bit in astrology. Maybe, Molly, if we looked at those women's signs, we would find that they are positive signs because there was a study that we found called who believes in astrology um that Wait, you have to read the whole title it's the longest okay. title for what boils down to a, a question of who okay. believes in astrology okay. this is uh, by margaret hamilton from the university of wisconsin who believes in astrology effect of favorableness of astrologically des- derived personality descriptions on acceptance of astrology And uh, this is pretty cool because I did not realize that there are sort of divides between the astrological signs. Yeah, there are six positive odd-numbered signs, which are Aries, Gemini, Leo, Libra, 
Sagittarius and Aquarius. So that's both of us fall into these masculine signs, uh-huh. positive signs, which is weird since we do a lady podcast. I know. And then there are six negative, even number signs that are considered the feminine signs, which are Taurus, Cancer, Virgo, Scorpio, Capricorn, and Pisces. So according to Hamilton, the positive slash masculine signs have really awesome descriptions. Everyone wants to be part of these groups. Like when you read a description of an Aries, you're like, yes, I'm awesome. And that's probably why you were so sad that you lost your Sagittarius standing because it's a masculine sign. It's got a good description. Yeah. Masculine signs tend to be more extroverted, a little bit more determined, um, a little more outspoken than the more uh, feminine signs. Right. And so the feminine signs often have these descriptions that are like, you don't like conflict and you will shy away from these interactions and you will just think things are pretty and live a normal life. Whereas your Aries is fiery. And so fiery. fiery side. Um, and so what Hamilton came to the conclusion of is that when people are presented with these differing descriptions, the people who have the masculine signs are going to think, that's a good description and that defines me. Yeah. Whereas people, when they're confronted with the descriptions of the other six signs, are like, no way, I don't think so. Not going to happen. So it's possible that perhaps we're more attuned to our astrological destiny if we believe that our sign can help us in some way. Mm -hmm. And that was the subject for an article on WebMD about, you know, if if you read a horoscope and they tend to be positive, there always seems to be something good coming your way. There's nothing wrong with thinking that, that, hey, something good's coming. Or if you learn that you're in Aries and you're real fiery, to let that inspire you to be more outspoken, to take the reins and make something happen for yourself rather than to be passive. It can it can be a helpful, self-fulfilling thing if you let it. But you have to keep in mind, if you tend to read horoscopes on a regular basis, and I'll tell folks right now, I love to read my horoscope. I go to, oh, I I go to Free Will Astrology, and it's so entertaining every Thursday. Um, but... You have to keep in mind that there is a confirmation bias at work. And it's basically you take what seems to match your life and you leave the rest. Right. When it matches up, you're like, oh, my gosh, yes. And when it doesn't match up, you're like, eh, Uh, it's off this week. And I mean, you know, when there's something that's written for people who's who, you know, for a group of people who all were born within a set period of time, that's a pretty wide range of people. Mm -hmm. And some things are going to ring true for some of them and some are going to ring true for none of them. And, um, you know, if you can take it with that grain of salt and use it to propel your life forward, doctors are saying and researchers are saying that's no big deal. But But if you're basing your life on it. Of course, going to be a problem. I mean, of course, it's a bad idea for us to base our life on horoscopes. But even just taking, uh, you got to take the personality descriptions with a grain of salt as well, because uh, there was an article from Discovery News on a 2006 study from a school in Denmark, and this guy looked at astrological connections between over 15,000 people and their uh, and their personality descriptors and found absolutely no correlation. 15,000 people. That's it's pretty significant population size. So, oh, you know, every study you read, you you think that this is never going to work. It's it's all chance. These astrologers who look at random charts, they it's they always do about as well as they would do if they flipped a coin. So, mm-hmm. you always bear that in mind, but when you read Hamilton's study and you you realize that there is this confirmation bias at work. Let's say that I do think, okay, I am the stereotypical Aries, and I'm going to read this fun horoscope, and 
and, you know, use it to inspire me to live my best life, to borrow a term from Oprah. What does that then mean when I then flip the page and read, you know, about the kind of guy that I should be attracting? How am I supposed to use that information? Am I closing myself off to a love with another Aries, despite the fact that that would be a really combustible thing? Right, because what you are talking about in terms of astrological compatibility is something called synastry. That is true. And this is comparing... Synastry gets much deeper than just your sun sign. And sun signs are based solely on your birthday. For instance, I was born on December 3rd, hence I am a Sagittarius. Sagittarius is my sun sign. But synastry goes a lot deeper by looking at and comparing the alignment of the planets between you and your intended lover... Um, and how they match up. Right. And, you know, since we have this royal wedding coming up, there's been a lot of trying to uh, determine the sinistry between Prince William and Kate Middleton. And so far, things are looking pretty great. The outlook is great. So anyway, uh, like Kristen said, taking sinistry is, is a little bit more complicated. And what they do is they measure sort of uh, positions of planets and suns and how uh, they're going to interact with someone else. And it gives you this picture of ways in which you're going to interact really well and also what the weaknesses in your relationship are going to be. And it doesn't doom anyone. It's just a, a matter of how you're, how you're going to have to work. If, if you could know your trouble spots ahead of time, would you want to? And, you know, they're not saying anyone's doomed. But if you know that, hey, we tend to butt heads a lot, could that help you in your relationship? And I think it's kind of an interesting question. Yeah. I mean, it doesn't seem like it could hurt anyone to know what some trouble spots might be. But then are these really your trouble spots if if astrology is just a lot of bunk? If your Mars and Venus alignment does not show much attraction, should you just give it up? Well, that that's the question. And, you know, people who even are, are master astrologers claim that the, the concept of synastry is one of the harder things about astrology, measuring these these two people against each other. And, you know, it's, it's just going to reveal things like chemistry, uh, temperaments and how they're going to interact, but it's not going to be any sort of thing like on uh, April 15th, you guys are going to have a really big fight and right. things will be, uh, you know, not, you just can't fix them. It'll be more things like this person's really headstrong and this person's really laid back. So watch out. Well, and you have to keep in mind, and this was uh, something that came up in an article that you found about the trouble with synastry is that people do not exist in a vacuum. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's fun to look at, Horoscopes and maybe there are certain, um, certain insight we can glean about ourselves and about our interactions with other people. But, uh, when it comes to, you know, relationships, we, we're, it's not just you and the other person and nothing else affecting you. But let's take it one last time. Let's take the hopeful approach to it because I have to say, Kristen, when I you really want to believe in this stuff, don't I don't you? want to believe in it. But I'm going to try and take the best positive point of view and relate it to this other study we found about what happens when people who take the best positive view go home to yes. a loved one. Because this was pretty interesting, and uh, I thought this was interesting mostly because when I did read that you and I are so compatible, I was like, oh, that rings true. I get yeah. along with Kristen. Yeah, we've had a great adventure on this podcast. It has, been. and um. You know, sometimes when I look at who I'm compatible with and then I find out what their birthdays are, I'm like, oh, I could see something. So let's say I'm this typical person who sees something to it and who can get the occasional really great horoscope and have it brighten my day. Mm-hmm. Uh, researchers named Susan Blackmore and Marianne Siebold wanted to see what someone like that would do 
and uh, when they went home to a loved one after reading that kind of horoscope. So what they did was they took uh, groups of women and gave them a positive horoscope about love, things that were like passions at a high, yeah, things are going to be great, romance, all speed, full speed ahead. And then they gave the other group of women really neutral love horoscopes, like, oh, you should really work on interdependence and personal skills and communication, yeah. just kind of a to-do list of things to work on. Nothing negative. They said that would be ethnic, ethically questionable. <laughs> yeah. Break up with your fiancé <laughs> right now. But just things that were sort of, you know, eh, it was okay. The kind of horoscope you disregard if it wasn't what you wanted it to say. Like the fortune cookies that are like, today was pleasant. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, you like to travel. Yeah. Re- really? <laughs> Tell me something I don't know, fortune. So anyway, those are the two groups of women they have. Before they gave women these horoscopes, they asked them to rate their happiness and satisfaction with their current relationship. And it was things like, you know, we talk a lot. We see eye to eye. Things are great. Things are not great. Uh, then they gave them the horoscope. And then they had the women do uh, the same uh, status of the other relationship survey again a week later. And even the women who believed fervently that their horoscope could tell them something and also got a horoscope that said, romance is great. You're madly in love. This is the one. They didn't rate their relationship any differently than uh, the women who had gotten the neutral horoscope. Mm-hmm. It was, I mean, I guess maybe it was a really small bump. But it was statistically insignificant. Yeah, not worth talking about. No. So I think that that's, when you do see all these love horoscopes in Cosmo, it's interesting to realize that even in this study, the women who believed that everything in a horoscope could apply to their lives still didn't have a magical change in their relationship because of it. Right. It didn't affect any any behavioral outcome, really. So even if we do talk about people who find that confirmation bias, who take the best part of their horoscopes and move forward with it, it's not going to affect love. So It's not written in the stars. Not written in the stars. And that probably means that our title of the podcast, What's Your Sign, Baby, is not a very good pickup line. No. It never was, yeah, really. it's never been. No. Um, and apparently Cancers and Capricorns need not apply with me. Ooh. But that's just, that in mind. that's just according to some random astrology site. Yeah, I think I'm supposed to find another Sagittarius, but does that make me a narcissist? I don't know. Question for another day, Kristen. Yeah, I think that might be one of one of my personality traits. But anyway, uh, so I'm glad. I'm really glad that all of this uh, this podcast research says that astrology is bunk. So I don't have to worry too much about the shortcomings of being a Sagittarius. But it all depends on the culture. Uh, you know, in India, for example, people still do marry based on whether the charts tell them this is a good match. Yeah, and, and also picking the the day they get married. So if you do find yourself reading your horoscope. And you are a woman, you can at least chalk it up to statistics and that women are more likely to read their horoscope and take something from it. There you go. And tune in for our next podcast, which will be on fortune telling <laughs> and tarot cards. Uh, but we want to know from you guys if, if astrology has played any part in your life, zero part in your life. If you have stopped listening by now, you can, you've probably already emailed us that this was yeah, don't, insane. I mean, I'm just going to say, don't take yourself too seriously. About, let us let us talk about astrology for an episode if we want to. Okay. And uh, we look forward to hearing what you guys have to say. Maybe someone did find the perfect love match. Yes. And, it were, and all because of that pickup line, what's or your maybe, sign? Or maybe you defied a, a, a repellent match. It's true. That's what we want to hear about. So momstuffathowstuffworks.com is the email. And I will read an email from Tim about eyebrow grooming. Yeah.
Tim writes, when it comes to male eyebrow grooming, I would like to weigh in with a few points. I believe I read an Esquire grooming tip uh, either this year or last year that the official distance between eyebrows is the size of your thumb. You take your thumb, place it between your eyebrows, and then either shave or pluck the hairs in between out. I have been grooming my eyebrows since high school and with mixed results. When I was first starting, I just took a razor and shaved a straight line down the middle portion, which created a large and awkward space between. I have also tried shaving each one individually, pulling the razor against one brow, then going for the next, which would often create unevenly sized and clearly groomed eyebrows. Now I just stick with plucking. Although one of my friends says that he waxes, but only when they grow together and his hairdresser won't let him leave without it. I think that the largely unspoken rule of men's eyebrow grooming is to do it discreetly and in a way that looks as if you have groomed your brows without actually having groomed your eyebrows. So, the insider scoop. Good tip. From a male listener. Well, if you have any tips you'd like to send our way, our email is momstuffathowstuffworks.com. And, of course, you can catch up with us and send us a note as well on Twitter and on Facebook. We'd love to see you over there. And, finally, you can read what we're writing during the week at our blog, Stuff Mom Never Told You, and it's howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. To learn more about the podcast, click on the podcast icon in the upper right corner of our homepage. The HowStuffWorks iPhone app has arrived. Download it today on iTunes. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?